Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You're already seated. Good job. I always like to start the Easter Sunday morning sermon with a a list of thank yous. Uh, Hard to put into words how grateful I am and how grateful we are and should be for our worship pastor, Tamara Hughes. Uh, Would you agree with that? She uh, makes her own life and journey of faith available to us in song. And we find that somehow in the songs that she is able to write, she sings our testimonies about desolation and now consolation. So thank you, Tamara. Uh, And along with Tamara, we've got Zach, who has made all of these things happen on a technological way. It's unbelievable. We just have an incredible uh, ministry team here, and I I just can't be more grateful. But let me just walk you through Holy Week. Nothing happens on Wednesday night, which means there was a lot of things happening here on Wednesday night, rehearsals and those kinds of things to get ready for Sunday morning. And then Thursday night, Pastor Jason Smith led us through a Monday service, Monday, Thursday service, and it was just beautiful there. And I'm going to give you a chance to clap for everybody at the end, but it was there in the atrium, and it was kid-friendly, and it was organic, and it was very Jason. So thank you for all of that, Jason. And then Friday night, I, I, man, I, it, you ought to just sort of mark off on your calendar now that you need to be here next year on Good Friday or Black Friday uh, because what happens here on this platform, like I was here, you guys, I saw the Christ candle snuffed out uh, and we left after hearing the story retold and after seeing the candles lit in appreciation for how the story grows and builds, and as we saw the candles extinguished, and Aaron Bowlerjack is just so precise, he just such a good job. Of, we see the, the candles extinguished all along the way until only the Christ candle is left. And, and let me just give you a little pro tip here, okay? If you come next year, the Christ candle that sits here on the cross behind me has such a powerful light when it's the only light in the room that if you look up, it actually reflects on the ceiling in the form of somebody with outstretched open hands. And then, when the vase is put on top of the Christ candle there and it finally goes out, that image just sort of fades into darkness and we're left in the emptiness of Friday night. The emptiness of Friday night. And then a lot of people showed up on Saturday. I won't have you stand up, but man, a lot of people showed up on Saturday. And thank you very much because we got a lot of things cleaned. You'll notice we have a a lot of clean carpet around here. Thank you to the Fane clan for all of that. I told Tim, I said, you don't have to work so hard on all of these little droplets up here where I know it's sort of the the blood of Christ that's been splattered everywhere. I kind of like what that means. And he said, well, I had to kind of clean it up anyway. But now just think of it this way. We got room for more droplets of the blood of Christ everywhere. So it was great. But JR and crew at the windows and and people that just went through. Man, Christy Wente has got to be sore today after all of the vacuuming that she did around here. Just so grateful. 
Early, early this morning, the sunrise service and Dr. Tashin and his crew did such a beautiful job today with the sunrise service, and the Christ candle was marched back in, and I don't know, I just get a lump in my throat. I, I want to make sure I'm in my seat so I can see that Christ candle march back in. Just a beautiful job. I, you, you know you've been in church if you've been led in worship by Gerard Tashin. And then breakfast, you guys. It was good. <laughs> it was really good breakfast. And I'm in negotiations with Rachel and Jeanette to do that each and every week. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> I think they'll be just fine <laughs> with that. Okay, don't leave the building. Um, and then, again, for everybody, Dr. Rieger, the pre-service music today, and, and the entire band, just so grateful. I just, that's what I'm feeling now. I'm just very grateful to be here. Um, by the way, Three services happening right now. In total today, there will be seven different Easter Sunday services, seven different congregations, at least three different traditions, and three different languages, and all will have a similar refrain today, He is risen, and the people will answer back with some form of, He is risen indeed. It is resurrection day. It's a good day. He is risen for sure, right? Now what? I mean, in a lot of places, and maybe uh, where you grew up, Easter was sort of contained to a day. It, it was the day that we kind of wipe our brow and we say, whew, I'm glad that Friday night thing did not keep. I, I'm glad that God finally got over on the enemy and brought Jesus back, paid something, it seems like. I, I still would say that all of us, perhaps me included, we still find it to be a little bit more comfortable to live on the shadow of the cross. We kind of get that in a way, that we don't get how life should change once we live in the light of the resurrection. But let me tell you something. We, the church, we are a resurrection community. We, we are a community formed by the resurrection. We are a community formed for the resurrection. We are here to implement to announce and to implement and embody the resurrection. And that's a tough sell. That's a tough sell because we are meant to embody and implement an announcement that goes something like this. God raised somebody who was dead to life. And I got to tell you, that word seems like an idle tale. Right? Now we're going to go through this story here in a second. But what you're going to hear is these women, these women see this image. They see the empty tomb. Then they see these two beings in bedazzled clothing. And I know it says dazzling, but every time I read, read dazzling this week, I thought bedazzled, so I'm just going to keep that, okay? So, so in bedazzled clothing, saying he's not here, there's been a resurrection. You should be different because of it, say the beings. Your entire life should be different because of it. Something should be different on Monday because of what happens on Sunday, right? I mean, we should work differently. <laughs> we should relate to our families differently. We should relate differently to our enemies and our opposites and those irritants. And all God's people said, I guarded. Yeah. Love one, you guys. And here's why that matters. If love one then love still wins. And that's where it has to have an impact on your Monday. It has to have an impact on how you go home from church today. It has to have an impact 
on how you drive, God help me. It has to have an impact. But many of us don't believe. Now listen, there are lots of nice people in the room. And and hear me, there was a time when I think I would have counted myself among your number who don't believe. Now we agree, right? We agree that today is Easter and that it has some significance. And that, that makes some sense, right? But hear me, we agree with our minds, we believe with our bodies. We, we agree and we nod along with the songs, most of the time because they're familiar, but we believe with our bodies and how we go about the strategy of business the next day, how we go about conflict and conflict management. It is altogether possible that there are people in the room who may at some level, may at some level agree, but then who just don't actually believe. I have really good news if that is you. You are in good company because as you'll be able to tell here, almost nobody believes. I mean, not at first. I mean, we're talking about resurrection, right? Life after a public, humiliating, terrifying death. And we're talking about that same person being up and around now, really, speaking, moving, eating, taking nourishment. How do you explain that, John? Uh, I will not. Now, I will testify to it. I will lean into it. I will surf it (laughs) as if it was a wave. Allow it to carry me as if it was wind. But I don't know that I can explain it to you. You're going to have to be okay with my testimony. It's the best I can give you. And you're going to have to be okay with the testimonies of the people that we are going to discover in Scripture today. By the way, these are people who don't believe yet either. But these folks had stuck with Jesus. Even in his darkest moment, they were there when the light of the world was actually and literally blown out. In love and grace and great sorrow, they are now doing the loving thing. At great risk to themselves, they now move to love and honor the one that they'd seen risk love on a daily basis. Jesus loved stubbornly, even though it cost him Everything. The chapter before the verses that you heard read today, verse 50 in Luke 23. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who though a member of the council, that same council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus He took it down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned, they went home and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment, which means they left Jesus there for an entire day. If he was kind of dead on Friday, he was super dead on Saturday and then Sunday. Friends, here comes what might be the most powerful word in Scripture 
and most powerful phrase in Scripture. You ready? But. (laughs) But. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared for his burial. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. Scripture tells us they were perplexed about this, and if you think they were perplexed then, wait until you see how perplexed they were when finally two men in bedazzled clothes, I'm sorry, I have to keep doing it, stood beside them. Now they are not just perplexed, they are terrified, according to Scripture. They're terrified, and they bow their faces to the ground. But the men, but the men said to them, what are you doing? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Were you not listening? (laughs) He is not here, but has risen. Remember, very important word today. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. If I were to give you another title for today's sermon, it would go something like this. How to believe in the resurrection. I I want us all to get somewhere beyond agreement. I I would like for you to get beyond disbelief. And I'd like for you to get beyond what very, very nice people do. Very well behaved, very nice, soft-spoken people. They all agree, yes, yes. Amen, go God. But I want us to believe with our bodies. I want us to believe with our bodies so much so that we are a threat to some people and a comfort to other people and odd to most people. I want you, I want me, I want us to believe with our bodies such that people will say, man, they are like a community, a gathering, a willful gathering of odd people who believe something that apparently the rest of us don't. And here's the way to believe. First, you got to remember. Now, remembering in this context, this is going to feel like another commercial for Pastor Jason Smith's class called Disciple, and it exactly is that. When I say remember, it, I'm going to say this. It matters how we read Scripture. I mean, the, the women didn't remember That's part of the reason they couldn't see and they couldn't believe. They hadn't remembered all that Jesus had said. They hadn't understood his words against the backdrop of the larger drama unfolding throughout Scripture. Without remembering, how could they have anticipated that something like this would happen? Folks, it matters how you read the Bible. It matters whether or not you read the Bible. It matters. I will say this. There are terrible ways to read Scripture. And all God's people said, (laughs) I'm sorry, that felt like a trap, didn't it? I'm sorry about that. But there are terrible ways to read Scripture that will leave you in a position not to love somebody else, but to fight somebody else. And by the way, if you are ready to fight somebody else, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard for you to believe that love has won and changed the world in the image of God for whom love always wins. Make some sense? It it really matters how we read Scripture. It matters how we understand the narrative itself to move and to breathe. There is a particular vision of God 
and in particular mission that can change and can emerge, but not until we read and appreciate Scripture as something more than a collection of laws and rules that we can use like weapons against our enemies and our opposites and our irritants. The vision of Scripture is so much larger than that. Watch what happens when they finally piece it all together, when they remember. Verse 8, then they remembered his words. Oh, this is what has happened. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now here's who it was. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who, uh, with them who told them this parable. Verse 11, but here it is. But these words seemed to them, and to them here is the disciples. Should they have known better? Yes. And it seemed to them like an idle tale. So if it seems to you like an idle tale, you are still in pretty good company. I mean, included in the room that day were boneheads like Simon Peter, right? But Simon Peter, according to verse 12, Simon Peter, the same one who himself succumbed to the forces that ultimately put Jesus on the cross. He succumbed to the fear and the intimidation of the folks on that side of the argument. And he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Simon Peter given just a whiff of hope here, says, wait a minute. Maybe there is something to his insistence, Jesus' insistence, that love wins. So Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Now, Simon Peter's amazed, but what does that mean? Has he now pieced it all together? Had he remembered the larger story? We don't know yet. Peter is looking for more answers, and he's not the only one. If you keep reading, in chapter 24, you hear about these two people who are on the road to Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And you know the story probably. While they're walking, Jesus comes near, but they don't see him. They don't recognize him, and that's an important term here. Jesus kind of walks up, and he hears them talking about something. He says, so what are you guys talking about? And they said, well, we're talking about everything that happened in Jerusalem this past weekend. It was incredible. And Jesus says, what things are you talking about? And they seem to look at him and says, are you serious? Are are you the only one walking around who hasn't heard what's gone on in Jerusalem over the weekend? There was this Jesus character, a prophet, they called him, powerful in word and deed. We had hoped There it is. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he'd be the guy for us, but sure enough, he gets handed over. He's publicly humiliated, crucified. So apparently, that wasn't our guy. Verse 25. Then the nameless stranger says to these two people, How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then he pieced it all together for them. The narrative, the grand narrative. I'm telling you, I am telling you, you're going to have trouble believing, believing with your body in the resurrection if you've not yet had the narrative pieced together for you, friends, you probably ought to sign up now for Disciple in September. It matters. 
It matters how we piece Scripture together. And I'll say it again. If sitting where you are today, you have trouble believing that God raised somebody from the dead, like dead, dead to life, life, if you have trouble believing that, you probably don't yet appreciate how the story unfolds. It kind of makes some sense, actually. It kind of makes some, some, some sense if you can remember the story. But Jesus wasn't done with these folks. Now, it looked like he was. He, he acted like, okay, guys, good talking. He was going to walk on. But man, there was something about this nameless character that resonated with these two. And so they invited him in. They said, hey, please, come stay with us. It's almost evening, and the day is nearly over, so just come on in. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus goes to the table, see if this sounds familiar, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. We're going to come to this table again today. If you're visiting with us, this may seem odd to you, but we come to this table every week in the hopes that each of us would at some point recognize him. I mean, this is important what we do around this table. And for all of us who struggle to believe, you're not alone, by the way, for all of us who struggle to believe This weekly trip to the Eucharist table, the Thanksgiving table, the Lord's table, is shaping our eyesight and our imagination. And it happens every single week. Someone in the room, by virtue of participating, catches a glimpse of the resurrected Christ and the breaking of the bread and the lifting of a cup. You ever seen somebody tear up as they're handing bread to people? I have. I actually look for those people to serve communion. (laughs) Have you ever seen somebody tear up who's taking communion? That's what that is. In these sacramental moments, we aren't just telling you that Jesus is findable. Hopefully, we're helping you to develop the eyes and the imagination so that you can catch a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus. Because... Nothing (laughs) can move you from agreeing on a day to believing with your body, like catching a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus. And if you know what I'm talking about, then be one of those people who says right now, amen. Nope, whoops, okay. Let's try that again. And all God's people said, ooh, swing and a miss there, okay. So these two These two run to tell the disciples what had happened. Verse 36, and while they were talking about this to all the rest of the disciples who were still hiding because they don't yet believe. They don't yet believe. While while these two were telling them about the story, Jesus himself shows up (laughs) and says, peace be with you. Goes on to say a lot of other things too, like, ready? I'm not a ghost, y'all. It's me. I mean, touch my hands. You can see and you can feel that I went through something. And by the way, said Jesus, it's right there in the Bible, I'm super hungry. Do y'all have something to eat? As if reinforcing to them, no, this is life, life. This is not ghosts with no feet, right? This is life, life. Friends, I I won't implicate you 
my faith and I align myself with those who have constructed and said now for thousands of years, the Apostles' Creed, my faith counts on the fact of a bodily resurrection, a Jesus who got hungry post-resurrection. The victory of love means that love continues to win. The tangible victory of Christ means that the winning should be tangible. (laughs) It should have something to do with how you go about whatever it is you're about to do. It should have something to do with how you love and connect and relate to those closest to you and those farthest from you. And then there's this. We have been talking about throughout the season of Lent, desolation. And we've talked about the season of Lent and desolation in these ways. It is living life with a clenched fist. Now, when you're living life with a clenched fist, it's hard for you to receive very much. But you are ready to fight to the glory of God, I guess. I don't know. But but that's desolation. Consolation, as you heard in the song, consolation happens when you finally recognize the power and the potential and the possibility of living with open hands. Does everybody know you can do a whole lot more with open hands than you can with closed hands? You can receive what it is that God has for you when you have open hands. With open hands, it has a chance to move you in a way that it just can't if you insist on a posture of closed fists. Jesus says, hey, open your hands. I have something for you. He says to them, you are witnesses of these things. And see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised. Stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He's talking here about Pentecost, which we will celebrate in the month of June. Here comes the spirit of the resurrected Christ to move you, to move us. It's a strange place in the sermon to drop this in, I gotta tell you, but do you know that some of the best windsurfing and kiteboarding uh, anywhere happens right here in our very own Lake Hefner? Amen. Amen, it happens, right? Now, I can't explain the science of it. I really can't. I'm sure there is somebody who can't. It's probably Eric Jorgensen that can't explain <laughs> the science of it. But from an onlooker's perspective, it looks like people have kind of discerned where the power is, discerned where the wind is, discerned what to do with the water, and they somehow are making their way on top of the wind and the waves, and it's pretty cool. So in a sermon that's entitled, How to Believe in the Resurrection, I've said this to you. You need to remember how it is that Scripture is put together. You need to get to the place where you're coming to the table each week so that you can recognize and get a glimpse of this Jesus. And here's the last thing. You need to open your hands. You need to open your hands in consolation. Now, it's a spiritual direction term, as was desolation. Consolation is this. A person dwells in a state of consolation when she or he is moving toward God's active presence in the world. Let's call that the wind or the spirit or the breath of God. 
We know we are moving in this way when we sense the growth of love or faith or mercy or hope. She goes on to say, if I am becoming more kind with people and I experience this movement of life-giving as life-giving and Christ-like, I'm in a state of consolation. Here are some other ways to describe it. Consolation directs our focus outside and beyond ourselves. It lifts our hearts so that we can see the joys and the sorrows of other people. Desolation sees only my own joys and sorrows. Consolation bonds us more closely to our human community. It generates new inspiration and ideas. It shows us where God is active in our lives and where God is leading us, and it releases a new energy in us because, man, the world has some problems, and some of us are going to need new energy to face the problems that we are facing. Listen, consolation doesn't mean that everything's okay. Consolation means that with open hands, you can find where it is that God is active in a world that's broken, and join God in the process of healing what is broken. Consolation doesn't mean that there's no war in Ukraine. (laughs) Consolation means that Debbie McCulloch goes to join them in Ukraine with open hands and says, yes, war is humanity at its worst. Y'all, war is humanity at its worst. at least until Debbie McCulloch shows up with open hands. When Debbie McCulloch shows up with open hands, when she joins with the very Spirit of God, when she surfs the Spirit of God, when she is caught up by the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God, then Debbie becomes a part of the solution. By the way, it's more likely then that Debbie will also believe in the reality of the resurrection. Listen to this. We are here at the Medica border crossing on the Polish side today, um, meeting people, talking about potential partnerships for global care force volunteers, and just seeing all the help that's here. You know, there's agencies of all types from all over the world here that are bringing um, support, encouragement, food, warmth. Uh, But the thing I see the most is kindness and compassion because people coming across the border, the fatigue and loss and pain on their faces is, it's palpable. So, you know, to see so many people here welcoming them with care and kindness is very, very moving. And we're just thankful to our friends, partners, and donors that we could be a part of it and that we're here bringing some small uh, bit of help. Thank you. And she will help us to know how to join with her as she joins with what it is that God is doing in war-torn Ukraine. I don't know what you thought you were going to hear. I knew she was going, and I was anticipating her first report. Her first report wasn't, you cannot believe how awful a nightmare it is. Here's, her first report was, God is at work in Ukraine. There is a kindness and a compassion working that can only be of God. The resurrected Christ is at work. So hear this. I believe, I want to go on record, I believe in the resurrection. Good, John, you're the pastor. But it's not because I can prove it in a laboratory. It's not because uh, I was there as a firsthand eyewitness. But because 
I remember the story, and the story now makes more and more sense. Resurrection makes sense given what the story tells us about God and the love that moves everything toward life, everything. I believe because I'm shaped on a weekly basis by the bread and the cup, and I'm telling you, even when you think nothing is happening here, something is happening here. I believe I've gotten better at better in discerning the wind, the spirit of the resurrected Christ, bringing life to deadly and deathly situations. And I'm most convinced, not just when I spot the evidence of resurrection life, I'm most convinced when I jump in to help, when I am riding the prevailing wind and waves of resurrection, participating in the very presence and life and heartbeat of God. I don't see it. You might say I'm having trouble believing it. Understood. But here is my, our invitation to you today. Remember the God we see in the story. Keep coming to this table where eventually you will recognize him in the bread and the cup. And open your hands in consolation. Pursue consolation. Move toward and participate in God's active presence in the world. Now, later on in the service, at the very end of the service, we will have a tangible consolation exercise. You probably know what's coming, but right now, I want to invite you to join me at the table. So if you are coming, would you go ahead and come this way? Heavenly Father, bless these elements, God. It's simple bread and cup, but somehow in your hands, it's more than that. God, would you somehow with bread and cup. Bless these elements in ways that will allow us to see what we couldn't have seen before, perhaps hear what we couldn't have heard before, find something tangible that we couldn't have found tangible before. With these elements, God, blessed as only you can bless them, would you give us a glimpse of the resurrected Christ? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and make your way forward. At the front of each section and also in the back, you'll see two people. One will be holding a plate of bread. The other one will be holding a cup. As you approach the, the person holding the bread, please come with open hands, right? It only makes sense. Come with open hands. As you get near the person holding the plate of bread, that person will take a piece of that bread press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat that bread just yet, but take it and dip it into the cup. The person standing right there will be holding a cup. And when you dip it into that cup, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then circle back to your seats or find a place to pray. If you come to one of these side padded altars, it'll be Pastor Daniel Moreira over here and Pastor Ken Murray over here. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we'll assume that you're there for a prayer for healing and we will meet you there, anoint you with oil and pray that prayer. Or you can pray here at the front or you can pray at your pew. But here's the prayer that I hope you'll pray. God, give me a glimpse of you. Whatever it takes, God, give me a glimpse of you. Now, Perhaps you are uncomfortable with this particular exercise, but you still want to take communion. There will be in every aisle here somebody who is going to dismiss you by rows to come down, 
Or if you'd like, you can take from one of those people a prepackaged set of elements, bread and cup. As soon as you get them, you're welcome to take them. You may ask yourselves today, visiting, who is welcome at this table? Here's the thing. You do not have to be a finished product to come to this table. Whew. You don't have to have it all figured out to come to this table. You just don't. We're Wesleyans here. All you have to do is this. You have to stay in touch with and be aware that you need grace, just like me. So all those who are aware of grace will always be welcome at this table, each and every week. All are invited, but none are compelled. If you would rather sit this out completely, God bless you. All are invited, but no one will be compelled. One more thing before I pray. There's a bowl of water up here representative of the moment of your baptism. If you need to be reminded that you have, in fact, been identified with the death of Christ, but also identified with the life of Christ, maybe, maybe you'll remember that moment if you just dip your fingers into this cool water. Maybe that cool water will jar your memory just enough to remind you that you belong. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including Easter 2022, every time you eat of it, remember me. The same way he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, Easter 2022, remember me. Now all across the sanctuary, if you would, as you are dismissed by Rose, please come forward to receive these gifts of God, meant as always for all of us who would be the people of God. Come now.
though several are still coming, and it's a beautiful, beautiful sight. I'm going to go ahead and start our prayer of confession. Please go ahead and pray your own prayers. Heavenly Father, we confess that at times we are those people who don't believe. Sometimes, God, we are the people who agree that something happened but fall short of being shaped in our Mondays by this belief. We confess, God, that there are other voices that are very, very intimidating. There are other influences that are intoxicating. And we confess that we are vulnerable to those voices now. Would you pray your own prayer of confession as I get out of the way and in the silence pray your own prayer of confession? I hear this before I turn it over to Jason for prayers of intercession. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Jason. If you would continue in these moments of prayer. And in these moments of intercession, we want you to give you the space to pray for exactly what you need from God in these moments. So you can continue in these moments to ask God for just what you need in your life. Would you listen along and pray along with me as we pray for a few needs in life of our world and congregation. And so Jesus, we are grateful for the message you've given us today and the message of hope given to us by Debbie McCulloch and Pastor John. God, we ask that you'd be with the people in Ukraine And especially, God, you would be with Rhonda and Carl Windrill, the daughter of Betty Rice and sister of Linda Nichols, who are there serving in the space in Poland. God, we ask that you would be with those who need you the most, whether that's in the Ukraine or Russia, whether that's in their home or in their pew in these moments right now. God, we ask that you would be with that one whose heart is heavier than all of our hearts, And God, you would come alongside of those, God, who need you now. God, we ask that you would come alongside of Tamara Fields as she recovers from a hospital stay. God, we ask that you would continue to come alongside of Scott Peterson, of our friend Matthew Larson. God, we ask that you would be with some, God, who are lonely, some who are alone. God, we pray for our friends who are incarcerated. And God, we ask that your loving presence would come alongside every single person who's here in this room and those who are watching online. God, it's our prayer that your loving consolation and spirit would, God, calm us, bring us peace, bring us joy in a sense that we are loved and that your presence is with us. Would you, God, by your grace, transform us into people who believe this prayer, the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. And now, church, would you pray along with me and the word should be on the screen in front of you here or at home. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.